0: Hey there, this is David Fitzgerald, the author of Jesus Mything in Action, and you're listening to The Canadian Atheist.
1: Once you assume a creator and a plan, it makes us objects in a cruel experiment whereby we are created sick and commanded to be well. I'll repeat that. Created sick and then ordered to be well. And over us to supervise this is installed a celestial dictatorship a kind of divine North Korea. (laughs) Greedy, exigent, exigent, I would say, more than exigent, greedy for uncritical praise from dawn till dusk, and swift to punish the original sins with which it so tenderly gifted us in the very first place. (laughs) However, let, let, let no one say there's no cure. Salvation is Redemption indeed is promised at the low price of the surrender of your critical faculties.
2: Welcome to the Canadian Atheist, a podcast about news, current events, and commentary on all things atheism from a Canadian perspective. Now, this podcast carries the explicit tag and wears it like badge of honor. So, if you get offended, you might want to switch off. The CA records each week live from Apostasy Studios. Why not join in the discussion? Find us on Facebook, email us at com, or follow us on the old Twitter machine at the underscore CA underscore podcast. If you're amused or tweaked by your stuff, we just might even use it on the show. And now, here are Michael and Dean.
3: All right, here we go. Welcome to CA. Today is Friday, May 29th, 2020. I'm Michael. I am Dean. Uh, how's it going, brother?
0: I have lost audio. <laughs>
3: No, you're still there, brother. You're good.
0: Okay, you can hear me, but I can't hear you. Oh,
3: okay. <laughs> well, um, okay, so we are doing... Uh, what, what, the, what are we doing today? Oh, wait, uh, for, I should say, this is uh, episode 109. And just before we get started, I wanted to mention that uh, this Sunday, I'm excited. Uh, this Sunday, I'm going to be on Modern Day Debate. Uh, James is uh, hosting uh, myself, and I'm teamed up with... Religion is BS. I'll explain why I didn't say the whole thing once I introduce our guest. Um, and we're going to be talking about uh, does God exist. So that's uh, Sunday at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern on Modern Day Debate. Um, if I remember, I'll put a link to it in the uh, in the description. But uh, today, as I just mentioned, we have a guest. Um, so uh, Dean, this is uh, this has been a, a while coming. Uh, I know that. Uh, yeah, you're aware, and I think maybe everybody's aware, that I'm the only one that does anything on, on, on the Twitter for the podcast. But um, joining us today is someone who I first uh, met through Twitter via a few other people, and we'll get into, we'll get into that. But uh, we have uh, S.J. Thomason, uh, and uh, she's uh, a Christian apologist. Her website, which will be linked uh, in, the, uh, in the description later, is christian-apologist.com. So I first uh, came to know about SJ uh, through some other fairly prominent YouTubers, uh, Modern Day Debate, who I just mentioned. Uh, Love James. Love him to death. He's awesome. Uh, Scholar Fiction, Steve McRae, and even G-Man. SJ hosted uh, me uh, and some other theists a few months uh, back, and we discussed uh, various topics, religion, belief in God, so on and so forth. But uh, she and I really didn't get a chance to, to know each other uh, that well. And so I thought uh, I'd extend uh, an olive branch for her to come in and, uh, and chat with us now. And, and the reason I say that is because, in all honesty, um, I've been pretty rough on SJ uh, on Twitter, uh, in, in fairness. Um, but I, I will say that I don't think I've been as hard on her as I have been on some other people, like Cameron Bertuzzi, for example. Uh, and the, the, the difference is that is I'm convinced Cameron knows he's lying about stuff, whereas SJ and I, think, just disagree. So um, we'll start this off because in, uh, in honor of our, uh, our Christian guest, we'll start this off with a Bible verse. Isaiah 118 says, let us come reason together. Um, and uh, we're hoping uh, for a good discussion today. So SJ, welcome to the Canadian Atheist.
4: Hi, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh,
3: so uh, so you're in Florida, so we're all a little envious, um, but... Maybe uh, not in the
4: summer. <laughs>
3: yeah. The... Um, How are things going as far as the reopening process down there?
4: Good question. Yeah, we're we're just, we're slowly reopening here and it varies a little bit by which county you're in because some counties have been hit harder than other counties. So I'm in central Florida, central west Florida, and we've been hit a little bit, but we're not as bad as southeast Florida. They've been hit pretty hard. And so we're kind of gradually opening up and people are gradually heading out to the beaches. And if people want to know which beaches are open, you actually have to go online because some are open and some aren't. And so you just have to check that out. And you also hope that people aren't stupid. When we open all this stuff, we keep seeing these parties like the Lake Ozark party that we just saw recently in the news where all of these people decided they're going to go out and crowd around and have start partying and they're going to get reinfected or just infected for the first time. So.
3: Yeah, that, that, uh, that, um, that extinguished part of my faith in humanity when I saw those pictures. But I, I got to tell you, we, we weren't uh, super innocent up here uh, in Toronto. So we're just east of Toronto. But uh, in Toronto, there's a, a very large public park called Trinity Bellwoods. And there was 10,000 people there. And oh, they wow. were all super close to each other and they weren't paying attention. And I, my wife and I, uh, Dean Shannon and I sat downstairs and we we're just punching ourselves in the face going, what are you doing? You know, it, it, this is going to happen in three weeks later because that's about the time it takes for all the results and stuff to come back. We're all going to be on lockdown again and it's going to be next January before we can go do anything. So, um, so yeah, well, it's, it's good to know that uh, and those resources are available online for you, you said to go find for people to go and check to see whether their beach is open.
4: Yes. Oh, that's good. Yes. Just you can check the local news stations, or you can check state stuff. You just type in the t- name of the beach and whether or not it's open, and you'll get the the hit. Right. Okay. So,
3: uh, Sj, how long how long is it that that you and I have been uh, just you know taking shots at each other on on Twitter? <laughs> it's been a while.
4: Yeah, it's probably been a while. I have to say, I'm not exactly sure when it started. I would probably guess maybe 2018, somewhere around then.
3: That sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, it's interesting, I, I will tell you, so I, I, um, I posted on Twitter that, that we were going to be having this discussion today, and there are, I'm looking forward to proving quite a few people wrong, because quite a few people said it's not possible for us to have a civil di- discussion.
4: And I guess they have never watched any of my videos where I talk to atheists because <laughs> I've had quite a few atheists on my channel and I've been on quite a few channels and I've never had a problem except for in the very beginning, a couple little, little road bumps. But ever since then, it's been great. So
3: I, I got, uh, I got two DMS today saying, <laughs> saying <laughs> my one, fan club, right? One saying <laughs> the haters. Yeah. One saying don't bother. Uh, and one saying, good luck. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking forward to getting this out there and posted and everything and, and proving all of the, uh, all the, uh, in this case, I'm looking to prove, I'm looking forward to proving the non-believers wrong. So that's the only time you'll ever hear me say that. But, (laughs) um, okay. So one of the things that I found really interesting and Dean, you're going to have to jump in here, brother, because I've got, I got verbal diarrhea today. Um, one of the things I'm really curious about is you've been public, you've been very public about how you were raised Catholic,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and um, and now you're and now you're a Protestant Christian. So, Correct. I'm 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 always curious. We have next door neighbors, um, beautiful people, and uh, f- former Catholics now uh, Pentecostals, and so. I was you know fascinated to hear to hear their story and i'm and i'm I'm really curious to hear your story about this journey from you know which you know i mean cr- Christianity but I mean saying it's hard because saying you're Christian is like saying I drive a car right um, or at least it can be depending on the denominations you're talking about so um so you're raised Catholic so tell tell us about
4: that okay sure i well I was raised Catholic it's interesting it goes back a little bit now i haven't Ever said this to anybody? So you'll find out a little bit more of how I was raised Catholic. But if we go, if we go back into my family and we look at my parents, uh, my mom was Catholic and my dad was Catholic, so that worked out. But I go back even further to my mom's parents, and my mom's mom was Lutheran, and my dad's. I'm sorry, my mom's dad was Catholic. And so when they decided they were going to get married, they went to the Catholic church and they went to the Lutheran church. And the Catholic church basically said, unless they marry in the Catholic church, that the Catholic, they would not recognize their marriage. And so it sort of forced my grandmother to become a Catholic. And so, uh, and then on my dad's side, it was different. They were always Catholic. And that's pretty much how it's always been. And his parents were both Catholic, one from Germany and one from Ireland. And so anyway, so my grandparents uh, converted I mean a grandmother sort of converted to Catholicism nominally she never really was you know considered herself a Catholic she still always was a Lutheran in her mind but she cons- converted nominally and said it's Catholic and so my mom was raised Catholic and so then my parents met in Illinois and we grew up and I went to the same grade school as the Catholic school that my dad went to and my grandmother my dad's mom always was at this Catholic church and it was a great upbringing it was fantastic but uh, and in high school, I went to a Catholic high school my freshman year, but it was all girls. And that I didn't like. <laughs> wow. Girls are crazy. And I'm not going to get I'm not you're not going to put me in a school with just girls and there's no males around. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. And so I begged my parents. I said, please, let me go to the, the public school. And they said they agreed. They said, OK, we'll let you go to the public school. Of course, they liked probably the savings and money. And so my younger brothers, brothers and sister decided they'd go to the public school. So we all went to the public high school, and it was funny because one of my neighbors, uh, who was still in the Catholic high school, she was—it was a big family in this family—and I remember her mother coming up to me and saying, "Stephanie, you're throwing your life away. How could you possibly leave the Catholic school?" And I'm like, "What? I'm not throwing my life away. i would be fine. I'll be fine, Mrs. O. I'm not going to name her full last name, but Mrs. O. It's fine." And so anyway, so I end up going to college. Everything's great. I'm still sort of nominally Catholic, pre- and I say nominally because I. Once you're in college, you sort of go to church sometimes and you sort of don't go other times. And, and then in my early 20s, I started to get really upset with the way that the priests, what was going on in the church with respect to the young boys and some of the, the, the rapes and things like that that I'd heard of. Sure. I was pretty upset. And it's one thing if I feel like you're upset, people made a mistake, but the Pope is going to put down the hammer and this is not going to happen again. They're going to root all these priests out, and it's going to be the end of it. But instead what happened was he didn't put down the hammer, and it kept happening, and I kept getting reports out of Boston and these different places where it's it's infiltrated the church in such a way that I was hearing stories from friends uh, in our workplace that had brothers and sisters, people that, who knew people who had been abused in the church. And so my dad got upset, my mom got upset, and when my parents get upset, I get upset. So we all left except for my sister. So my two brothers and I... And my parents, we didn't officially leave, but we basically said, we're not really going to go to church that much anymore. And so we went for occasional weddings or different occasions, once in a blue moon. Sometimes we'd go on Easter or Christmas, but we really didn't do much for a bunch of years. And then over time, I got married and had a couple of kids of my own and a family. And then my son came up to me when at one point. And he said, Mom, how come we're not going to and I married. A, I married a Lutheran. So we got married actually in the Lutheran church. And his mother is a, a big player in the Lutheran church. And uh, whenever we go down to Boca Raton, which is where they're all from, we always go to that Lutheran church that she's been attending. And my husband went to Lutheran grade school. And, and uh, so he was a, grew up Lutheran. And he very much endorses the Lutheran faith. But I thought it was kind of like, I wasn't getting much out of the Lutheran church over here either because it was kind of like the Catholic church where you go and you, you sing some hymns, and they'd say a lesson, maybe talk about the Bible for 10 minutes tops. And they weren't really digging into it. And I didn't feel like I was terribly, I was getting terribly educated and learning about things. So I happened to, when my son actually asked me, why aren't we going to church? And I started feeling guilty. I started experimenting and looking around at different churches in my area and deciding that I'm not gonna care about which denomination it is. I'm just gonna go in and see what I feel good about. And so I stumbled into this Baptist church, and I loved it. They were singing contemporary music. The guy, the pastor, dug into the Bible for about 40 minutes and just started explaining all of this stuff. And I had this feeling that, holy cow, I've met my home. This is it. This is the best place ever. And my husband liked it. My kids liked it. And so we started going, and started. I started teaching Sunday school for a while, and uh, it's been great. So I haven't been able to go lately, though, but I listen online. <laughs> right. So, uh,
3: so interesting. So we share a few things in common. Uh, one, my, my mother who was not born in Canada, she was born in, uh, in Wales, uh, raised Catholic. And my father Mm -hmm. who was born in Canada raised Lutheran. Hmm. So there's an interesting thing. And my wife went to Catholic high school, girls only.
4: Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah, we do.
3: And, and she, and, and she said she loved it. She said she had a great experience. She said, uh, there were a couple of nuns at the school, you know, who were, you know, more traditional, but there were a couple who were really hip you know, for kind of hmm. high school in the, you know, high school in the, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, and, uh, and she said that she, like, she absolutely had an amazing experience in Catholic high school. Um, I try not to roll my eyes when she says that, but, I mean, I can only take a, I can only take a word for it. She was super active, like, in, in musicals and all that other stuff as well, so we share a couple of, uh, of uh, commonalities there. That's great. Dean, you got anything to say, brother? Instead, um, no, I was am still having some religious.
0: audio issues on this, on my end, but, um, yeah. yeah, I went to public school, uh, you know, uh, my entire life. So I don't have, uh, any, I, I do have some cousins in South Africa and most of the schools over there are, uh, you know, run by nuns and, you know, they're, they're, they're Catholic based schools, uh, there. So I've got some, some horror stories from my sisters about the way the nuns were, <laughs> you know, with, uh, with uh the 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 punishment system there if their their skirts were short like you know shorter than their knees or oh, <laughs> something yeah, yeah. like that yeah. so but uh but uh yeah um the only question that i have when it comes to catholic schools is is um how much how much of it is um like religion-based
4: well, you figure it's about an eight-hour school day or something like that. Maybe six, seven hours. I forget exactly what it was, but there's one one session was in school, and the other, say five, six or something, uh, were other classes. So you'd, you'd always have an hour a day for for uh, religion, basically. At least at the one I went to.
3: Yeah, that that's 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 similar to what my what my wife. Because I asked her the same question, like, what was it like? You know, did you just sit with a rosary in your hand all day long? She's like, no, we did one Mm-mm. class a day. So, yeah, because, I mean, I, I was public school the, uh, uh, for, the, for the whole thing. So I had no experience at all. So it was just a curiosity for me. Um, SJ, I'm really curious. So how did your family, like uh, extended family, people who were still, because you've also shared that, that members of your family are still in the Catholic faith.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: how, did they re- how did they respond when you came out, for lack of a better term?
4: Well, I see it's kind of funny because my sister is a very devout Catholic. She has never left, and <laughs> she's the only one who didn't leave in our family. And I, I first I call her up, and I was dating my husband, and I said, I mean, I was dating him when we were just dating, and I said, uh, I said, you yeah. know church. And she's like, no, you have to get married in the Catholic church. Now I'm getting married in the Lutheran church. I'm Lutheran now. She's you can't just say you're Lutheran now. <laughs> Go ahead. I am. I'm Lutheran and we're getting married in the Lutheran church. And she's like, oh my gosh. And so then I, we get married in the Lutheran church and we could start going to services every so often because just really, just because he wanted to, I wasn't really into that at that point, but we were going to services every so often. And then my, uh um, I have my, my, uh, my husband has a twin brother, an identical twin brother. He's on his way here wife. His wife is Catholic and he's Lutheran, of course. And so there's that combination there too. And so right. they were all, the only one who ever really gave me any uh, comments was my sister. Cause my parents are, my parents are very weak Christians right now. And my brothers are probably on the borderline. At least one of them has already said he's agnostic. The other one is probably somewhere between, I just don't really care and Christian. So oh,
3: okay. that's where, all
4: right.
3: um, that's where okay, they all so, stand. So you mentioned uh, part of your um, part of your uh, called deconversion, but some of the how you lost uh, how the shine came off the rose with the Catholic faith was in some of the uh, you know the the abuse and stuff that's gone on and it's it's well documented everything else like that and uh, we don't need, we don't need to go into that but I'm, I'm just curious as to whether just as a a slight slant on that did you see the movie Spotlight. And Mm-mm. what did you think of it? Like, did you think it was a fair representation of, of, of events?
4: I, I didn't see it. And I, if you want to just tell me about it, I'd love to hear it. Oh, but, so, um, yeah, I so, want to say something, though, really quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never lost faith in God. I just lost faith in the organized religion at that point. I was at this point where I was considering I just needed to know God's form. I started investigating Eastern faiths and thinking they might be superior and so, uh, but I always felt that there was some greater presence. And so that was where I was standing at that point.
3: Oh, okay, yeah, I, hope I, didn't, I hope I didn't insinuate that, that you fell away from your faith. That, that wasn't my intention. Just like kind of from, from chocolate to vanilla or vice versa was more of what I meant. Not that you moved away yeah, from ice no, cream. Yeah, no problem. Just that you changed flavor. Um, okay, so, the, so the movie Spotlight is basically centered around um, the, uh, the, the New England Catholic establishment, um Bernard Law you're familiar with that guy? Yes. Uh, yeah. It's one of the reasons I left. <laughs> yeah. All, all that stuff. That's what it's that's what it's centered around. I recommend uh seeing it but regardless of your belief system, anyone hearing this, anybody who listens regularly, you can't watch that movie and not be upset. Um mm-hmm. or, or if you do, I'm not convinced you're human. Uh so, but uh, I wanted to uh, to get your take on that, but I would definitely recommend watching it. It's um Well, I can, let me,
4: I'll give you my take on some of the the, people are still practicing Catholics. People are still going to the church. I left and I'm, I'm completely fine with people who are still going, but I can tell you what, a lot of them are very upset. And one of the reasons why we've seen this, this massive, I, I think there's a massive outflow of Catholics who would still be Catholics, raising their families as Catholics. Had they not, had they not failed to address these whole issues, these issues have been corrupting the Catholic church now for, for decades uh, they, I mean, at least going back to, from what I see, at least to the 50s, and that's all you know about it, easily could have come before that. And so yeah. they've been ruining their uh, advancement. The Catholic Church has a lot going for it. It's got the history. Nobody else has a history like the Catholic Church. But no one wants to go there when you feel like you can't trust the priest. And and you could, maybe you can trust 9 out of 10 priests, or maybe it's even 9 out of 20 priests or something. I don't know what the numbers are. Yeah. But if it's even, maybe it's even 1 out of 20 priests. I don't know. But I mean, one out of twenty that you can't trust. I, I'm not sure what the numbers are, but all I can say is that the fact that they haven't addressed that one guy—you know—if there's one guy who's got 40 kids uh, issues with 40 kids slid under the carpet, that needs to be addressed before mm-hmm. before we feel good about going back to the church. And and again, I think like I listen to Brant Petrie. He is an amazing Catholic, and he's got a PhD in some area related to religion. And he he goes in and he does these. Uh, he doesn't. He's not a pastor, but he does these these speeches and he blows completely go to the Catholic church with that guy behind the wheel. But, but I'm not going to go when I'm not sure about, uh, whether the Catholics are going to be able to handle this stuff. Cause for some reason I, I still can't figure it out. Why can't they deal with it? So,
3: yeah, I mean, you know, Dean and I shock horror, um, have, uh, have, uh, spent a fair amount of time criticizing, um, religion in general and the Catholic church
0: specifically. Um, That's pretty much a good portion of the podcast every week.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but I mean, I mean, and Dean, I don't know if you like if you'd agree with me or not, but uh, SJ, would you say that the people, I mean, because there are still, you know, tons of energetic Catholics, you Mm -hmm. know, that want to, you know, that, that if things were different, they'd be, you know, they'd be, Roam in the halls of, uh, you know, and I've, I've been in St. Mark's Basilica, I've been in St. Peter's Basilica, toured the Vatican, sat in the Sistine Chapel, it's breathtaking, um, but I'm curious as to your viewpoint, on, like, do you see these people, like, you know, the people who are active participants, do you see them as complicit, given the now documented history
4: Actually, I, I don't think it's fair to put it on on them so much. I feel like definitely the hierarchy needs to fix its its, its deal. But I feel like people are localized. So let me mention two things, because you mentioned how beautiful those cathedrals are. I've been to some places like the Piazza Duomo in, in Italy. Uh, some of the Catholic churches in Europe absolutely blow you away. The mm-hmm. amount of money and time that they spent on these places over the centuries is enormous. Yep. But it's paid off from the sense of uh, inspiring awe among people, and that's one way to get to God. But on the other side, going back to this idea where these people might be complicit is people localize it. So they look at when I when I did go to the church, uh, I was always thinking to myself, well, my priest would never do that. And I hadn't I never had an incident in the local churches I attended. Never heard about an incident, never had one. But the the problem is, is is the they kind of have to localize it. A lot of them feel like they're compelled to be Catholics because that's how they were raised. And so they keep going and they just try to make sure they're a church that they feel safe with.
3: Okay. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I agree with you on the, on the Duomo. Uh, Yeah. We've uh, when my wife and I, when my wife and I honeymoon, in Germany and Italy. And so we spent time at the, at the Duomo as well. And yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. it is, it's, it's, it is, she loved it so much because it was pink and green right? And those are her favorite colors. Um, but you know, but that aside, I mean, yeah, it, it's, you can't sit in this, in the Sistine Chapel and not like you, you can't sit there with your mouth closed. Your jaw just drops open in the mm-hmm. awe that it is, you know, the, the ceiling is spectacular and, and everything about it. And the, um, uh, you know, well, my wife commented on the smell, you know, like, you know, the, just this, how it's, how it smelled. She said, she said, it doesn't smell old. It smells ancient. And I'm like, what's the difference? And mm-hmm. she, 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 she found it hard to, to, to kind of uh, verbalize a difference, but she said it just smells different. Um, okay, so um, uh, we've had you in the hot seat for a little bit. Is there anything you want to uh, ask us?
4: Well, sure. I, I don't know Dean's story as far as if Dean's a, also an atheist, but I'm wondering how you decided uh, to be, an, I mean, how did you come to atheism? I would like to know that. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to know that, you, that for both of you if you want to share yeah. it. Dean, go.
0: Um, well, um, uh, I would say that I was, I was raised, um, semi-religious, I would say. Both my parents are, uh, part of the United Church, um, and we used to go to church when I was a kid. Um, there's actually a story that they tell us. I am an atheist, by the way, but they, the, the, my, my parents told a story about how early on I was an atheist. I actually stood up, uh, on the pew during a sermon and I yelled out to the priest, liar, liar, pants on fire.
4: Are you serious? <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: i don't have any recollection of that i was probably like three or something like that when i happened. um but um yeah then i was I, you know i i believed in 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 god and everything that uh that my parents had uh had said and things like that and higher power and all that and then i started going it, it was in high school when i started learning about evolution and dinosaurs and you know what that and 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 uh Uh, mainly uh, what I know of evolution. And I started looking it up uh, more just on my own. (laughs) Um, And then I, I actually remember sitting in my room thinking about it and thinking about the two sides and thinking about what I knew about the Bible and the creation story and what I knew about evolution. And I said to myself, evolution makes sense. What I know of the Bible doesn't really make sense to me. So I said, it looks like, from what I can tell, science asks questions and does what it needs to do to try and find the answers to these questions, and does it in such a way that that information is available to anybody looking for those answers. Um, and whoever finds those answers can write it down and reveal it to, and reveal their steps to get to that answer to anybody else, and anybody else can take those same steps to see if they get the same answer. Um, so... That sparked my interest in science, and um, just going more along those lines, i became I, I became uh, more knowledgeable about physics and biology and things like that, and religion just fell away um, because it was like anything any questions that I had had a naturalistic answer. there was no reason to spark supernatural explanations for anything. Mm.
3: Yeah. Hey, everybody's heard my story a million times. Um, I'm not sure. Am I, can everybody hear me? Okay. Yep.
4: Nope, I can hear you.
3: Oh, I don't know. Okay. Um, okay. It looks like you just gacked out there for a second. Um, everybody's heard my story a million times, basically raised, you know, kind of nominal Christian. As I said, my dad was, was Lutheran. He was kind of burnt out. Um, my mom, you know, was, was burnt out from raising five kids. And, uh, when I started asking, <laughs> when I started asking questions, she said, time to go to church. And she just kind of shipped me off. And uh, And it was, I, I never had, I never had a, a bad experience in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I went to a United Church in Scarborough, uh, which is a suburb of Toronto, where, where I grew up, and everything was really good. And then I got, much like Dean, got into high school, started uh, learning other stuff, started asking questions, and, and I wasn't able to get... Reasonable responses, what I felt were reasonable responses, course, because at seventeen, eighteen years old, I knew everything anyway, so and these you know these priests couldn't tell me anything I didn 't already know uh, that you know, just ask a teenager they'll tell you. and so um, I, I stepped away from it and I, call, I called myself agnostic for at least a decade saying i don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I spent time um, I've studied for probably a total. Over three different sessions, of probably five years, with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, and I've gone to all kinds of different churches. I worked with uh, a guy for a number of years who was uh, who was uh, a Muslim, a Sunni uh, Muslim, and I went to his uh, uh, I, I went to his uh, services with him, and I, I got to tell you that was probably the most welcome I ever felt in a religious establishment. Um, was was going, to, uh, was going to one of the, the, um, uh, those services. And the most uncomfortable I ever felt was going to a place called Beth Tikva, which is a Jewish synagogue in downtown Toronto, where I was asked to leave. Um, I went in and I sat down, and I sat in the back and just kind of, you know, and I was just, I was looking and I was listening. I wasn't interacting with anyone. And, you know, what I've referred to commonly as, you know, two guys, the Jewish fuzz, they walked up to me and they looked at me and they said, we, um, you're making people uncomfortable. We need you to leave. I'm like, I haven't done any, like, I'm just sitting here. No, 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 you need to leave. And I was there for about uh, less than 20 minutes. And so, and I've said that to a few people. Uh, one of my wife's uh, former uh, co-workers, who's um, uh, a devout uh, Jewish woman explain that to her and her jaw dropped and she's like, I can't believe that. I'm like, yeah. And this is where it happened. She's like, I know people at that, that sits in it. I'm like, yeah, that's where it happened. So, um, you shouldn't have
0: been wearing that t-shirt.
3: That, it, (laughs) listen, listen, don't blame the shirt. Um, okay. But, uh, and so then I spent some time kind of wafting, uh, still in my agnosticism. And then I started getting more exposed to science, meaning that I was spending more time paying attention to science and reading and this, that, and the other thing. and, it was during my time actually with the Jehovah's Witnesses that I read the Bible for the first time. Uh, I read their Bible, the New World Translation. But mm-hmm. um, I read it alongside another Bible and uh, and stuff like that, went through it. And then I read the Book of Mormon, all this other stuff. And it, it was a slow progression for me until pro- probably about 15 years ago was the first time I said no, you know. Um, and I took the the lack theist approach, you know, the kind of, you know... Um, you know, I, I don't think there's any evidence for God, but I don't, I don't feel any need to demonstrate a burden of proof. I, I don't accept. Show me the evidence, and maybe I'll change my mind. Um, and then over about the last year or so, that's evolved even further to the point where I now take the more philosophical definition of the belief that gods, in fact, do not exist. And uh, another shameless self-plug, and I'll be talking about that, and I'll give my arguments for that Sunday at 3 on Modern Day Debate. Um, but, uh, yeah. And so that's, that's been, been my progression and that's why, I, that's
4: yeah, why it's, it's funny. You both mention uh, science a little bit as far as part of your progression, because I would actually take the opposite view. I would say that science makes a pretty good case for God in a lot of different ways. But when you mentioned evolution, when Dean actually specified evolution, I thought to myself, well, how fortuitous this morning, I just happened to be listening to, uh, Stephen Meyer on this this video with Eric Metaxas, and he was talking about his new book, Darwin's Doubts. And he was talking about one of the big problems that the scientists have and are starting to realize and are starting to publish about is the fact that they really haven't been able to explain the explosion during the Cambrian period of new species because they don't have the transitory fossils that are Pre, uh, preliminaries to those. So it's he, he actually goes into great detail, apparently, in his book on this. So I probably, I'm going to actually order that book to see what his details are, because I don't know all of them. But he was, he was outlining some of it in this video. And I thought to myself, it's fascinating because he's making the case for intelligent design and uh, a purpose behind this whole evolutionary process. And so I think he makes, he, he pointed that to one issue, but he had a number of other issues it- dna and helix double helix and those sorts of mm-hmm. things that point to a coder so
3: sorry you you mentioned what, what was the, the name of the book and the author again
4: it's uh stephen meyer he's out of uh, cambridge he's a, right. a philosopher I, of I, science I'm,
3: now that you said the said the name a second time i'm familiar with the name um yeah
4: i've heard the name before too yeah
3: what, and what's the name of the book
4: darwin's doubts
3: okay yeah it, it, it is it is funny um We've come so, we, the, you know, the royal we, you know, me with my 11 PhDs in science, um, you know, have come, <laughs> have come so far uh, from, you know, from what was classically called Darwinian evolution. And, and it's interesting. I'd be, I'd be I'm, but I am going to look into this because I'm always, I'm, I try, I, I do my best never to be closed-minded. I think the only questions, you, um, the only stupid questions are the ones you don't ask. Um, and so I'm, I am, I remain open. I remain open to things like this. Are you familiar, as a counter to that, um, you know who Aaron Raw is, of course.
4: Oh, yes, of course.
3: Yeah. Um, have you ever read his book, Foundational Falsehoods of Creationism?
4: No, I haven't. I've, I've heard he's pretty good at science, though. I have heard that people say that they respect Aaron's science. I have heard that. Yeah. His biology. I just, yeah. So, so,
3: so uh, I'll make a deal with you. I will buy Stephen Meyer's book.
4: Um, oh, I have to buy and Ross,
3: and you buy and Ross, and we'll compare notes. But um, t-
4: tell me the name of it again. I, I didn't really I didn't. Uh, it's
3: it has a, it has a completely non-controversial title: "Foundational Falsehoods of Creationism."
4: False. Uh, yeah, that's not that's that's absolutely non-controversial, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting because even just in, in a couple of things that you said about the double helix and stuff like that, he addresses things very specifically in that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I try not to, Dean's much more science minded than I am. I try not to get into, um, into the, the depths of the science too much because although I've, I, I've read a lot of, I read a lot of the papers, um, I spent time speaking to Jerry Coyne at Imagine No Religion 7 a few years ago in Toronto, mm-hmm. who's an evolutionary biologist um, I had lunch with Richard Dawkins at that same event. Um, and I, I, the, the reality is I don't understand it well enough to speak super intelligently about it. And I, would, I don't either. You know, and I would probably just and I would probably mess it up because
4: of that. And see, I see, I'd rather defer to the experts on that too, because I'm not one of them, and I'll never try to pretend I am because I'm clearly not. But I was listening to what's the one thing I liked about Stephen Meyer. Is he spells it out in a way that any lay person like me can understand? So I really appreciated that. So I would I would recommend people listen to him, yeah. <laughs> not me, because I'm not going to be able to fully explain what he said.
0: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I was just I was just thinking when you talked about the Cambrian explosion and things like that when when there was a, a we noticed that there was a large explosion of multicellular life yeah. um, early on in the the evolution of of, of the world. Um, but the thing is that evolution like saying that science points to religion because there are a few answer, it's a few questions that we don't have answers to, is a little, little bit of a leap too far. But I'm not me. saying that. Oh, well, you didn't say is it, you know, points the, to religion the, rather the, than.
4: But, but not other. because there's questions that we can't answer. I would say science points to religion just by looking at our, our DNA structure, the human genome, uh, looking at the Goldilocks principles as far as how the Earth is, is situated here within 10 habitable zones. No other planets like that. The only other one we've identified in the 3,500 3, we have is uh, only in two habitable zones. So in other words, we're in a very unique situation. And it feels like, as some of the scientists have even admitted, that somebody's been tinkering with things up in the skies.
3: Oh, you know, so. and, and it's and it's super interesting because, like, you have people who and, – and it's funny because in, in anger, uh, you know, in, in angry, you know, tweets or posts on Facebook and stuff like that, I've made the mistake of saying – uh, like I have said, you know, people who believe this stuff are dumb, um, and and it's and it's things that I've said in anger, and it's and it's and it's uh, it's it's hyperbole, and I have to go back later and take it back because you have people who are clearly like crazy smart, um, Francis Collins, Bible believing oh, yeah. Bible believing Christian, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, head of the Human Genome Project. This is not a stupid man, right? He accepts he accepts evolution. Uh, he just thinks God did it. He just thinks evolution is the mechanism that God used to make it happen, mm-hmm. but he 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 accepts it whole whole stock or whole cloth because uh, because of the science. So it's it is interesting. So I mean, there it's it certainly it's 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 hyper dismissive to say, oh, you know, these people are this that and the other thing, because I mean, they've spent time in school um, and sometimes digging up fossils and other t- you know all these other different things, um, and so you can't you can't dis you you certainly can't dismiss them. Um, but it is, I think it's, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, it's, you know, it, it's settled science, but I understand that, you know, that in, in many cases, and many people believe that it's not. Some people believe it's settled science on the other side. Um, and I think it's the super smart people that have to get into the ring and fight it out. Um, it is
0: difficult to say though that, uh, that, uh, the universe is, or, or that we live in a habitable zone, habitable, habitable, habitable zone when we live in the habitable zone for us.
3: Yeah. Right. Of course
0: we think that, that, um, the Earth is perfect for life because we are part of that life that evolved on this planet. So we evolved perfectly for this planet. Yeah,
3: it's almost like a um, puddle analogy, and
0: it's 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 like yeah. that the 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 one uh, quote that I heard where a puddle, yeah, you know, after a rain, if if a puddle had a brain, it would say, "Look at this hole; it's perfectly formed to me." So this, you know, this hole was designed for me because I fit into this hole just perfectly. Yeah,
4: as Jacob right? and this
0: it's 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 the puddle that formed to the hole, analogy. not the hole that for, that formed to the puddle.
4: Yeah, I'm familiar with that. That's Douglas Adams, and I love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and 42 explains everything. <laughs> but but I would actually argue, I, William Lane Craig made a really good response to the, the puddle analogy, and what he was talking about is he said, imagine yourself at the end of a fighting. Uh, you've been convicted guilty, and there are 100 marksmen with their guns aimed exactly at you, and you hear somebody yell, uh, ready, aim, fire, and all of a sudden you hear the bullets, you're blindfolded, and you're not hit. And the idea is is that do you expect that that somehow you were just lucky? Or do you realize that somehow somebody decked the stacked the deck in favor of you? And so I, I'd say go to like listen to people like Justin Brierly. He's actually calculated the odds. He actually worked with a mathematician to calculate. Of us being here and talking about rolling the die seventy times with sixes every time, two double sixes, and and so he's got some pretty good methods of considering the the possibilities of us being here. No, no, it's
3: and it, and it is true, and it, it's funny. It, yeah, I, I remember hearing, uh, I remember watching a debate with the the late great uh, Christopher Hitchens. And he was talking. I forget who he was talking. He may have been talking to William Dembski. I don't exactly. I don't remember who he was speaking to at the time. And and he went through something similar to what you said. And it's true. The odds are astronomical. And in and in response, what what Hitchin said was, he said uh, he said all you've demonstrated is that life is incredibly rare. Um, and it seem and that can seem like an oversimplification. Um, but it also sometimes, to me, seems like an oversimplification to to insert. Well, God did it, because um, you know, as as uh, as as some, as some have said, you know, you're appealing to a mystery. To, you know, you're appealing to a mystery to solve a bigger mystery. And it, but I still think that you know, they're absolutely worthwhile questions to ask. And then, um, you know, and like I said, we'll let the people with seventeen letters after their name. Uh, you know, fight it out, and and, and it, it stems in other issues like we talk about. Uh, you know, the historicity of Jesus and stuff like that. When I the, the first time I read Robert Price and David Fitzgerald, who who's who's not who's not a, a scholar on it, but he's he's done a lot of research on it, and I'm like, oh man, this, there's no way this guy was real. And then you read Bart Ehrman and and some of the other people, and they're like, well, no, he was he was totally a real dude. Um, and so at the end of the day, I don't know. You know, I did, when, when it comes to stuff like... Uh, when it, I'm still letting them kind of fight those things out. When it comes to the historicity, the, what I've landed on is it doesn't matter to me whether or not he was a historical figure because I don't think he was divine. And whether or not he was a real dude or not, okay, he could he could have been a real dude. And they, they could have even, even killed him and crucified him, just like all the stories say. But that he came back three days later, that that's a different story. But I didn't want to delve too much into that. Um... So but because uh, I want to talk more about uh, you and the stuff that you do. so um, after everybody's uh, finished listening to this, uh, I want you to go onto to uh, YouTube and I want you to subscribe look up SJ. Thomason um, and uh, subscribe to her channel. and the reason I say this is because she's got uh, a ton of really good content, and you don't have to agree with it guys and gals, um, because this stuff is one of the things that I will say about the stuff that you put out is that it's even though some of the people you talk to, like whether guys like Jonathan Miklachki, uh you've had talks with you know, Scholar Fiction, Michael Jones from Inspiring Philosophy, all those are the different people. It, you, you still, and I don't know whether it's how you construct it or whether you do work on the back end and say, hey, listen, I want to have these talks. But, this, but the stuff you do put on your channel is e- easily digestible. Um, it, it's, it, it doesn't come in, it doesn't go over, over people's heads. And I'm, and I'm an idiot. So if if I can if I can absorb the information anybody can. Um, yeah,
4: I've had, I have had some like I've even had Gary Habermas and uh, Doctor Michael Brown and some pretty cool Liddy McGrew, yeah. Mike Lacona. I've had a lot of cool people, and I don't even know how I got so lucky. Every once in a while, I contact them, and they say, "Sure, I'll get on your channel." <laughs> <laughs> really, really?
3: Yeah. kind of exciting. Well, is the same way. Like when I was at Imagine No Religion, um, was sitting there, and um, that was that was the second time I met Lawrence Krauss. And it was after that he, you know, we made arrangements and he, he came on he came on our podcast. So yeah, yeah, he, he's a big name. You know, some of these these, these you know, huge names in in the uh, in the business, so to speak. Um, there, there's actually something before I forget this. I wanted to mention someone that you should reach out to. Uh, it's a guy named Doctor Christopher Gadson. Um, hmm. He came on the po- He came on the podcast, and I saw him on Capturing Christianity. He came on the podcast maybe six months or so ago. He does, the, he does this amazing YouTube series called Thinking Outside, where he's literally walking around with a, with a GoPro on a stick thinking mm-hmm. outside. It's brilliant. And he, he talks about all different philosophy. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a philosophy professor in Missouri, and he's a Christian. And I, like I said, I saw him on Capturing Christianity, and I reached out to him, and he was, he was nice enough to come on. And we had an amazing conversation. And I think you could have a great talk with him
4: about... No, well, thank you. And I, I appreciate the plug for my channel, too. I'd love it if anyone came over and subscribed today. That'd be great.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And you, yeah, But you've also got a website, uh, which I mentioned before. It's christian-apologist.com. And I want to talk about that because you've got some really interesting stuff on there. Um, you, you, so you have the arguments for God. But one of the other things that you've got uh, interesting on there, you've got like uh, rebuttals from, uh, f- to prominent atheists, other stuff. But one of the interesting things that you've got on there, and I want to get you to talk about it a bit, was um, you've got a tab there for cyberbullying.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So, so, t- so talk about it. And because I know that you've, you've had some, some experience with that.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: you've talked about it fairly openly. And I I think that's probably why that it's on your website. But I want you to talk about that. And then we can talk about why it's such a bad thing to do.
4: Right. So here's what happened. So a few years, well, actually, I came to Twitter about 2014. About 2016, I started interacting with atheists. And I really, really didn't know too many before that, and so I I got to know a couple of them, and they recommended that I go to of all people. This is not where you make your debut, but I make my debut uh, talking to somebody with me calling up Matt Dillahunty on the Atheist Experience, Understood. and so. After I got off that disaster of a phone call, actually hung up on muted me, hung up on me and I deserved it. (laughs) So so it was just not a good phone call at all. And it's had a half million views and on one channel, let alone the other ones it's posted on. So ever since then, there was a group of people who sort of developed uh, animosity towards me. And there's more than one group. There's actually a a little posse of people who who are sort of like the hate Stephanie. They actually have, they call it hate SJ and they have these t-shirts and things like that. And so unfortunately, if you get a group of people who have um, it seems like some of their main purposes are to hate on me, uh, sometimes people who follow them get these ideas up there in their minds that, hey, let's go ahead and contact her employer, because I've been very open about where I work and what I do. Yeah. And so my employer has been contacted a number of times. I've, my, my provost has been contacted. Uh, my department members have been contacted, my president, my dean. Uh, I've been tagged in, you know, people will tag me. They'll tag my school and they'll say something really derogatory about me. I've been. I've talked to my dean about it. I've talked to my provost about it, and they're like, "We get it. We've looked at your timeline. Everything's good. You're polite with these people. Just keep it up. Uh, it looks like they're bullying you. That's what they constantly tell me if, if ever they've been contacted. Now, I don't think they've been contacted lately. The last time uh, I had heard that they were contacted was last. June. But they started this, the calls started coming to them right after the Atheist Experience call. So mm. that's when it all sort of uh, chugged up. So I wouldn't recommend anybody go to the Atheist Experience if you can be linked in with your, uh, if someone's going to find out where you work, because there's a good chance you're going to get some haters there who are going to try to contact people.
3: Yeah, it, it's interesting. So the first thing I'll say is any type of cyberbullying is, um, I think it's petty. Um, I think it's cowardly. Um, and you, you posted about this a fair bit on, uh, on, uh, on Twitter as well, talking about it and stuff like that. And I, I've, I've, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% sure that I, that I had been super supportive of it and saying, you know, it's absolutely not right. It's not acceptable in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's the one reason why, like, where I, like, the only thing I don't talk about online is what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell people, you know, I'm a public servant, but that's as far as I go. And, you know, Facebook thinks I'm self employed. And I don't talk about it anywhere. anyone. Everyone who knows me knows not to talk, you know, not to tag me, you know, because it would be easy to tag my employer in a in a social media post. And they know like that that'll get you blocked. In I don't care who you are. Like I block
4: my. That's if, what I do. Yeah. So you, you mentioned my workplace, you get blocked.
3: Yeah. So and so it's you know, it's because it's because it's not OK. And I mean, you know what we do here, like nothing. There are some people who 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 really spew some hateful stuff. Like, um, you know, I think people like Kevin Anderson deserve what they get, but you're certainly not Kevin Anderson.
4: Do you um, mean Steven Anderson?
3: That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Steven. Yeah. Like Steven, I, 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 believe Steven Anderson gets what gets what he deserves. He's a horrible human being. You are not Steven Anderson and by any stretch at all. And so we've well, we, so
0: we said this before that people like Steven Anderson, they're doing it because they want, they, 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 they want to get that kind of publicity. They wanted, they're just spewing the hate for, for to, to spew the hate.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, it's hard because I, I, I don't know whether, I'm not sure w- w- when it comes to him, I'm not sure whether or not I'm convinced whether he knows he's being dishonest. Because when you say something like, you know, if I had this button and every time I push it, it would kill a, a homosexual, I push it till my finger broke. I, he said that? Yeah. He oh, did. yeah. He, oh, he, my he, God. he said, if you had one of those. No, I didn't.
4: I, see, I've, I've heard of him, but I've never actually. At least I don't think I've actually listened to him. I might've heard him in passing somewhere, but I definitely know he's got a reputation for that yeah, kind of thing. So he
3: had one of the, he, he was referring to that Staples, you know, that, that was easy button. And yeah. he said, you know, he said, if I had one of those buttons and if I could kill a home, he, and he didn't even say that he wasn't as politically correct as I just was. He said, if I could do that, every time one would die, he said, I'd push it till my finger
4: broke. Oh my gosh. And, that's horrible. It's yeah, ridiculous. Uh,
3: yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a horrible, that's a, that's a horrible human being. And yeah. so, like, so there's a difference between someone who will, like, someone like you who goes on and says, you know, these are the things I believe, these are, the, this is the, these are the reasons I believe them, these are the reasons I think the people who maybe, like, like, Dean and I, for example, I think they're wrong or whatever, and stuff like that, versus, you know, not only do I want to, you know, actively try to take away the rights of other human beings, but admitting that if I had the capacity to kill them, I would. Um, I can only hope it's hyperbolic. I can only hope it's hyperbolic. Um, yeah, so so uh, so you talk about the cyberbullying and and which is which is total rubbish and should never happen. Um, okay, let's change gears for just a second. That's all kind of super serious. Um, what do you like to do for fun?
4: Well, I like uh, I like riding my bike. <laughs> so here's here's how I here's how I start my day. I've got a little routine, on my COVID routine, but it's usually it, it's a it's a spin out of my usual routine. But this has now become more every day. So every day I wake up, I take the dog for a walk. No, first I have coffee, talk to my husband for a little while. Then I check my computer for emails and that sort of thing. And then I check my Twitter. Sometimes I do that too. And then I take my dog for a walk and I get back home. And then this is the fun part. Then I get a YouTube video. I figure out what do I want to learn today? And so I try to find a video on some topic that I don't know much about or else just something on on Christianity. And then I ride around uh, the neighborhood for an hour or two hours listening to that YouTube video and learning something new. And then I get home and I usually get on Twitter, tweet a little bit about what I just learned. <laughs> right. And then I start doing work. And so today I'm, I'm teaching three classes in the six-week period right now. And I just finished one. and I Two MBA classes and an undergraduate class and uh, two preps or two MBA classes on the same class but at different times. So it's been really busy in prepping for that. So I haven't been quite on Twitter as much as normal and I won't be making too many videos in the next few weeks, but, um, but that's it. So my favorite, I I love making videos and I love, I love reading. I love writing. I love researching. I love, uh, I would call myself intensely curious. I can't stop learning. I have to know more. I want to know the truth in everything I do. And so I, I love figuring out something I don't know about and then really digging deep that there's something about that that's incredibly rewarding.
3: So, have you ever read something or have you ever been exposed to something that you read that that shook your faith but didn't scare you and you kept on investigating?
4: Um, hmm. Shook my faith. Let me think here. I haven't really. I have to admit, I I thought I would actually. When I first got to Twitter and I started talking to atheists, I remember thinking to myself, a bunch of them were saying, hey, if you read this, I'll read that. And so this one guy said, he said, I said, give me your best. Who's your best? And I I was, I remember being really fearful and thinking, oh my gosh, if I read Bertrand Russell, oh, what if I turn into, what if I start having doubts? And I was really worried about it, but I read it and I thought, I mean, Jesus pretty much explains everything that he was complaining about, all of the stuff with the evil in the world and that sort of thing. You look at how Jesus was beat up and battered on the cross, and you think that man buried his, he bore a cross for us. And so I see the, the biggest argument against God is saying he's a benevolent God. Why does he allow evil? If he allows evil, how could a benevolent God do that? I mean, that's a tremendous argument. It's the strongest one that you have. But I look at he allowed the evil to happen to his son uh, for the better of, betterment of society. And it's hard to understand when you come from it from a view where you, you don't sort of see the entire picture of why he did what he did. And so that's a, the big thing.
0: Now, now, are you a literalist when it comes to the Bible? Like, do you, do you believe it word for word or is it is it mostly allegory or...
4: Uh, No, I would just, nobody believes the Bible is literal word for word because we don't believe we're literal sheep or, or Jesus is a literal lamb. So, so we definitely don't. So you have to look at the Bible and part of it, you know, there are some, some phrases like referring to people as sheep and lamb, but the big question I think you're getting at is probably Genesis 1 to 11. Is that where you're going?
0: Well, no, I was just, I was just asking because some people uh, take the Bible very literally and there are definite, definite uh, contradictions in the, in the Bible. And if you take it literally, you could
3: yeah, like it's, it, it's, it's, it's like difficult had, to take
0: it as being, you know, a, a, an accurate um, uh, piece of history.
3: Yeah, it is interesting. Like when we had Kent Hovind on the podcast a year and a bit ago, and, you know, he, the, one of the first things he said when he's doing every debate, he says, I believe the, the Bible is literally true and scientifically accurate, you know, and so he does, believe, you know, six days, 6,000 years, talking snakes, uh, the whole nine yards. And so I think, may, I think maybe that's more what Dean was getting. Is, is that, if I steal, am I steel manning you correctly, Dean? Is that more what you were
4: getting?
0: No, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, I here's here's what it is. Kent actually has been on my channel too, Kent Hovind. I disagree with the, the YEC position. I don't think that the Genesis has to be interpreted in quite that way with six 24-hour days. One reason for that is because if you look at the seventh day, you're going to notice in all of the other days, there was a day and a night. You know, the beginning of the day and the end of the day. But the Genesis 7, in the seventh day... There's no ending, so in my view, uh, the seventh day is actually a period we're in right now where God is resting, and the other days we're explaining the time up to now as far as epochs. So if you go in the past and you go to now, you can kind of see that sort of that sort of uh, uh, progression. But I also I'm so not that's, exactly that's very sure. interesting
0: what you say there that 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 we're currently in the seventh day and God is resting. So when did when did when did God start to rest?
4: Well, he's resting as far as the building new creation. So we've already got, I mean, we've, we've still got the universe continually expanding from the point that we had started with the inflation rate. Uh, everything kind of came into motion at one point, and over there he created animals, he created plants, he created all of these kind of things. And now we're in the day where he's already created humans, and now we're sort of living out this, this situation. Actually, Hugh Ross has made a really interesting observation, and he noticed that ever since the, the Cambrian times um, and even in the past a couple hundred thousand years, we really haven't seen too much activity as far as new species coming about. Large species, large mammals, for example. Uh, Not small species, but talking about large species. I thought that was kind of interesting, and that was his take on this this resting seventh day. And what about new
0: creations such as new stars and planets and things that are happening elsewhere in the universe?
4: Yeah, now we still do have that, but that's part of the, that's coming out of the creation that he already established when he created the universe in the first place. So the stars are going to explode. There's going to be new stars, new solar systems, all coming out of this expansion that's continuing.
3: Yeah, It's curious. Do you know, um, so there's there's a faith tradition that aligns very much with what you just said about being in the seventh day. And that's uh, that's the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. Jehovah's mm-hmm. Witnesses believe exactly the same thing, that we are currently in the seventh day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, think actually, I
4: disagree with Jehovah's Witnesses though on other fronts. But, well, but and, it's, and it's
3: funny. Like, this is one of the things that I always say, you know, it's like, you know, you know Catholics may disagree with Protestants and, you know, they, they may not necessarily agree with Jews and stuff like that. But the one thing, and even atheists, like Christians and atheists can all come together and, and, and say in, the, in a united voice that JWs and Mormons are kooky. Um, because they, they believe some wacky stuff, truly wacky stuff. Um, Like I said, I studied with witnesses for almost five years, and it's uh, one of the common misconceptions, one of the common things people always talk about is this whole, you know, well, there's only going to be 144,000 people that get to heaven, and that's, Hmm. whenever somebody says that, it's really plain that they've never studied the Watchtower Society at all. Because that's, you know, <laughs> here's, I'll, I'll do a Bible lesson for you. Um, what what, what uh, witnesses actually believe is that it's 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel,
1: mm-hmm. which
3: will become, which will be anointed. And um, in the Bible, it says, uh, a witness shall be made to all the inhabited nations, and then the end will come. And when the end comes, those 144,000 go, and they go to heaven to serve with God as angels. But everyone else lives in a restored paradise earth. So when people say it's only 144,000, it proves to me they've never actually done any research because that's not what witnesses
4: believe at all. Um, that's interesting. I didn't know that that's what they believe. Yeah. I, I I think the book of Revelation gives us a different story.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, so. and it's, and it's. I mean, you'll, I mean, you'll talk to, uh, you know, and people have said this, like, uh, you know, your, your friend and mine, uh, Matt Delahunty, has said, you know, it's like, if you want to, you know, if you want to find out... Uh, you know the Baptists are wrong. You know, ask a ask a Pentecostal if you want to know. The Jews are wrong. At you know, ask, ask a Catholic if you want to find out why the you know the first Baptist Church of Memphis is wrong. Ask the second Baptist Church of Memphis. Um, you know, and you'll find because you'll find discrepancies. You know, in these sects. Um,
4: I, I you know, know, I, what I like, I like C.S. Lewis's view where he says, instead of figuring out where everybody is wrong, why don't we figure out where we can unite and what's right? And so in his view, all doors lead to Jesus. So as long as you're believing John 3, 16, you're pretty much good to go. And if you have the faith in God and you've accepted his offer.
3: Yeah. So, um, okay. Uh, okay. So a couple things, and I ask every, I ask every believer that comes on, so don't feel like you're getting, um.
4: Hey, I'm good. I'm, I throw a law ball, lava softball, whatever. Trump supporter. Trump supporter. I I'm an independent now. I actually, I'm a registered Democrat. Okay. In case you don't
3: know that. I I, I didn't know that. No, it's, and it's funny. And, and it's funny because so many people, uh, so I, I, won't name, I won't name names, but, um, I've asked that question of dozens and dozens and dozens of, of believers, some who I think even you would consider, whoa, they're kind of hardcore. Not one has ever said that they're a Trump supporter. Not one.
0: It's, it's surprising. I don't see how anybody could be, especially amid his response to this pandemic.
4: Well... <laughs> Well, I'd I mean, actually make an argument yeah. for him on the pandemic because he actually, on January 31st, made a really smart move in making sure that China and Iran could not fly into the United States. And that was preemptive. And the Democrats actually blasted him for that. And they, they were saying he was a xenophobe and that kind of stuff. And Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi went off on him. And I actually wrote a blog about that and made a video because I was I actually had gotten on Trump's side. And believe it or not, I that was not like me to go on to Trump's side. But I felt like, but they've been kind of lying about the situation from what I've been reading in the news, looking at all sides of the, the matter, looking at New York Times and these other sources of media uh, on the left and the right. And so they weren't telling the whole truth. And that's why I've, I got I mean, that's one of the reasons some of the stuff they've been doing lately is, is just pushed me even more into the middle. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I,
0: don't, I don't I don't agree with what Democrats have done either. But um, him closing the borders is not exactly something that he would that he did you know to to, to stem the the ex, the explosion of, of the virus. That's just that's just because that's just something he likes to do. He likes to put up yeah. walls and close borders. But I mean, everything else he's done. There's over a hundred thousand Americans dead now, mm, and uh, the, his response to this, the the, the lack of response, um, is is just astounding.
4: See, yeah, I would disagree, but but we could probably we could probably table that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: yeah, that's not why
3: we're here. And it's funny. One of the things that one so a couple of the comments that I got on Twitter, you know, one person was saying, "Oh, you know, good luck. You know, you're not going to be able to have a you know a, a civil discussion with SJ. and I think we've proved everybody wrong with this. But um, I, you know, I, I said, uh, you know, I said we can get into heavier topics. You know, that'll be for next time. You know, if if we can have one civil discussion, there's no reason why we can't do this again. <laughs> um, but uh, okay, so. We're we're coming up on just over an hour. You you did say that you had a little bit of a timeline, so so we don't want to drive you past that. But uh, one, but I did want to touch on just a couple of other uh, or just one real main other thing, and that is, um, what do you have that's coming up that people should be uh, interested in and tuning in for?
4: Well, I'm actually that's a good question because I need to have more things coming up. I. Need to get more interviews. I try to keep my YouTube channel active, but I'm so busy with my school right now that I haven't been able to get many things done. But I, I am working on a book that's called The Power of One, and I'm. Uh, it's just a little personal book. What I do is I try to take a lot of the things that I've learned and put it together in a in a readable format. And I had a book called The Quick and Concise Case for Christ, and that was a really quick, easy read. And so I'm trying to do a series of those kind of things, mainly for my kids. And so my kids right now have two books on their each of their desks, uh, and they're going to have a third one in a little while. And so I figure the reason I write this kind of stuff is because I figure if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, my kids will know all of my opinions on everything right. that, well, that cool. I've thought. And I kind of think it's good to preserve stuff like that for your family. So that's well, here, what I'm here's, working ho-
3: on. here's hoping you stay clear of buses um, and that buses stay clear of you. Um, exactly. And uh, and I guess also importantly is is uh, how can people reach out to you when they though they want to get in touch with you?
4: Yeah, if you want to reach me, you can go to christian-apologist.com, and you'll see I have an email address. It's called alwayslearning1225 at gmail.com. So you can reach me that way, or you can reach me at um, lead uh, at Twitter, L-E-A-D, lead1225. That's Jesus' birthday that we celebrate, not necessarily when it occurred, but so 1225. Um, And then you can come on YouTube, actually, at SJ Thomason. So I'd really appreciate it. Love to see you over there. So, All right. Dean, you got anything else you
3: want to say?
0: Yeah, me nothing. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been having audio issues. I'm missing five out of every twenty words. Oh, geez, are you, you I
4: sound put, fine. I, I've been able to hear everything you said. Yeah, yeah. I, I
0: know. You. I don't. I I don't understand. I mean, oh, I've got second to highest possible internet connection is telling me there's connection problems and stuff like that. I don't know. It's, yeah. I, I've cut my. Kids. See, I, I just
4: <laughs> like the idea that that Michael. We have proved, uh, and Michael and Dean and I, we have proved those people wrong. I have I have an idea of who they are. <laughs> Because one of them, I was tagged in the conversation that you were having publicly. Oh, okay, so okay. Yeah. I have an idea of at least who one of them is. Yeah. And so, I, and I know he associates with this other part of this group. So I, I figure I know where this is all coming from. Yeah. There's um,
3: there. You have to really be. A, and it's funny. I'm having to censor myself. Like I, as the words are formulating in my head, because I, I swear so much. I'm having to censor myself. That's why I sound like such an idiot right now. Um, but it it takes a special kind of jerk for me to not want to have anything to do with you, like to not want to talk to you and stuff like that. And so I, I've yet to come across anyone. Actually, that's not true. The one person that I (laughs) I don't want to have anything to do with anymore was, uh, I'm sure you've heard of him, Darth Dawkins, Duncan atheism. Oh yeah.
4: I know him. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, um, I, I quote quote unquote debated him on modern day debate a few months back. And after James hit the stop button, he invited me over to his Discord. And I said, I'm like, and I, I threw a couple of expletives at him. And I said, you know, I, I said, I don't ever need to speak to you again. And uh, he, he's the only person that I, I really just have no time for at all. But other than that, uh, yeah, I'm a pretty open book and easy to, easy to talk to. Listen, this has been a lot of fun. Um, and I really appreciate you coming on. I, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't 100% sure you were going to because I haven't been super nice to you in the past. Um, but all that will change now because we, we, you know, we know each other. We can be buddies. Um, Michael
0: likes getting angry on Twitter. <laughs> yeah.
4: That sounds good. Um, I, haven't, I mean, not, nobody's really – I don't think there's anybody who's been perfect in their tweets. If you send over – like for me, I've sent 80,000 tweets out. You can't expect that every one of them I've said something perfectly sweet to people. <laughs> so yeah. I get it. I, you yeah. know, and then you regret it, but you can't take it back. So, it's how you live and let live, I guess. Yeah, I suppose.
3: But uh, you know, like I said, I'd, I'd be thrilled to do this again, and maybe we can have a, a quote-unquote tougher conversation about uh, some of the things, you know, some of the things we believe and why we uh, why we believe them. But I think that this was a good primer to uh, to open up some lines of communication. And I think it was a, a lot of fun. So, after I agree. I, after I push the uh, the stop button, we'll say a proper goodbye uh, uh, off uh, Sans recording. And, uh, and you've been recording this, correct? So you're going to mirror this on your channel? Yes, and I'll stop when you
4: do so that we can stop to- at the same time.
3: Okay, so. yeah. So, um, so I think, unless Dean, you've got anything else to say, I think we've gotten into enough trouble for this week.
0: No, I think we have.
3: All right. So uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, listening. Did I say it earlier? This is episode 109, um, and I guess episode 110 will probably be – uh, just a, a release of the conversation that I'm having Sunday on modern day debate. Um, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, you guys have gotten enough of me this week. This is uh, this is this, this is the second episode this week. So. Uh, oh, I just
4: did remember something. Can I mention one thing? Absolutely.
3: Probably, yeah. Sure, I, sure. I
4: almost forgot. I'm actually going to have Jonathan Sheffield on my channel pretty soon. We're trying to get the time scheduled to discuss his upcoming debate with Richard Carrier. And oh, so he's got a debate. And he wants to talk about his strategy. So just keep a watch on my channel because I'm going to have them. I'm not going to have Richard, but I'm going to have Jonathan talking about his plan.
3: Yeah, I met Richard Carrier in Toronto about five years ago. He was up at mm. uh, U- the University of Toronto for a talk. Uh, he, he's a nice guy. He, he's a nice guy. And he's he's sharp. He really is a sharp guy. You, you may not necessarily agree with his positions, but there's no doubting that he is uh, he's an intelligent man for sure. I'm not familiar mm-hmm. with Jonathan Sheffield. I'll have to look him up.
4: Yeah. No, I've, I've debated Richard Carrier on, on objective morality and we both agree on objective morality. So we had a little debate on the grounding.
3: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I be- anyway, we'll leave morality for another time. All right. So, uh, okay. So I think I said, that's enough trouble for us to get in for this week. Uh, we'll be back at you soon with uh, another episode, but until that time I have been Michael, I have been Dean. I've
4: been Stephanie.
3: Hey, you paid attention. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's truly awesome. And we shall see you later. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye.
2: This has been The CA. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please drop by the iTunes store and give us a review and subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they release. Just a reminder, the views expressed on this broadcast are solely those of the hosts and are for entertainment purposes only. Never take advice from two guys expressing an opinion on a podcast. That's just silly. See you back here soon.